Great music, Karen and Scott and choir orchestra, everyone, for blessing us that way because truly, through faith, mountains are moved. The Bible says that. Jesus teaches that. And in light of that, will you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here today, your spirit among us. The good news, God, we get to share once again. Oh, Lord, look into you, Lord, in life and need and all the ways, God, we have that. And also, God, about to hear a message. We pray you bless us in the hearing of that and the script, biblical words that are said, the words that are said about them, and the words you say especially to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I understand that last week when I wasn't here, Pastor Caesar preached that he began the message by saying, Pastor Mike is not here, he's in jail. <laughs> this morning I wonder where Pastor Caesar is. I don't see him anywhere, so he's not around. So uh, I was actually in prison for what's called Kairos Prison Ministry. We help lead that. Many in our church are part of that organization. I love that we're able to do that. Do that several times a year normally. Uh, and uh, this event... Uh, takes a lot of people to make it work. It takes a lot of churches, uh, a lot of financial resources, as well as pastors and volunteers. And one of the things that's really cool about the Kairos prison ministry in this part of Texas, we go to a number of units, but especially the men's Kairos is that my, my, I have a twin brother who's also a Methodist pastor in Waco, and Steve and his church leadership and this church and our leadership are really what makes Kairos work. There are other churches involved, certainly we celebrate their involvement and need them to be part of that event, but when it comes to sheer numbers of volunteers uh, in both churches and financial resources, uh, those two churches really make this prison ministry work, and that's exciting to think that. In light of that, uh, we begin a new series called The One Thing. I want you to think with me about what this church does, and, and I could say much about that. I could spend a, really an entire message just talking about the impact that we make as a church community. Not only what we do officially, means it's an official church ministry like Kairos or uh, other programs that we're connected with, but also just you in your life and leadership and community and greater community and all around us. This church makes a great impact. Uh, yesterday I got a chance to go, Rhonda and I did, to see a football game between two Mansfield schools, amazing football teams and athletes. Uh, some will go on to major college university, and we got to go on the field for a while to watch them as well as up in the community room. Uh, the superintendent of the schools, Dr. V, invited us and a few others to join him in watching the game. We said, yes, let's do that. It was noon, so we could make that work and went up there and enjoyed that game. And while sitting there, I had multiple people come, uh, multiple people come to me and talk to me and say, you're one of the pastors of First Methodist Church, Mansfield. Yes, I want to thank you for what your church does in this community. I want to thank your church for being the rock that it is in our area. I want to thank you for the impact that you make. And these were, un, uh, you know, I didn't ask for these. They just saw me there. This was a chance to say thank you. Well, thank God. It's God working through us. But I appreciate those outside our church who don't belong to this, this family necessarily who see what you do. And again, I just want you to know that. Uh, and your presence, your gifts, your prayers, all the ways you contribute to the church family, just being here today, all that is part of the difference we make as a church. And you may not know that we've been around now in the Mansfield area for 130 years this year. And so we kind of have a celebration of that this year. And that, that's cool also to know. Going back well, more over a century, day by day, week by week, month by month, Year by year, decade by decade, century by century, you as a community have impacted the world we live in from uh, Africa to locally to impacting each other right now in worship. So always keep that in your heart and mind. You 
God uses you when you give, pray, worship, serve, just be present to make a difference in lives you may not even know about, whether it be a prisoner uh, sitting in the boy's unit or another unit around here, uh, somebody homeless, or somebody just comes into church on a Sunday and says, hey, tell me that Jesus loves me. I need to hear it today. You know, you're all part of that, so I thank you for that today. This uh, series also begins uh, what we call each year our annual stewardship campaign. Uh, so if you didn't know that's why, know this was happening now, it is, so surrender. Three weeks, we're going to be talking a little bit about money each week and our giving that makes really the church work, also so much part of the Christian faith. You should have, if you belong here uh, for very long, even a visitor, you, sh- you should have received a packet in the mail, explains the campaign, a brochure, a commitment card, uh, as well as an envelope, and you're invited to turn that in any time the next few weeks, so our particular Sunday of celebration is going to be November the 15th, three weeks from now. You can also give after that, make that commitment. So keep that in your heart and mind as well. If you did not get one, let us know. We will get it to you. And you'll have that campaign information as well and the ability to make that contribution. Our church at this season of its existence serves in broad, dynamic, generous ways. More than ever, those commitments are used as we really develop a budget for the next year. What can we do? What can we not do? How can we serve? How can we not serve. You know, we make decisions based upon what you, you say you can give. And that is really huge for us. So know that even though you may give anyway, and you're going to do that, I'm sure, know that by marking it, we're able to add those numbers up and say, yeah, we can do this next year. We're going to be able to continue that. We're going to be able to make this happen. We're going to be able to broaden our ministry in this way. So that's just a, some housekeeping for us to kind of connect with today before I actually begin the message. Now I want to talk about uh, some events and some words that Jesus brought to us, not the text. I'll get to the text later. But I want to begin by showing you a picture of some baskets of food. Uh, We're talking about Bible food here. Uh, There's some dried fish as well as some bread. And Jesus referred in a very, I think, unique time. I think about this all the time, this particular story. Now, he'd already fed, miraculously, 5,000 people some months before with only a couple fish and a few loaves of bread. But some months later, he's with the disciples, and keep that picture up there if you would. Some months later, he was with his disciples who were doubting. Uh, they didn't have much faith that day. You know, we're human beings. We have those days. They, ha- they were having that, that day. That day was on them, the day that you and I have, probably on occasion, if not all the time. They were having that day. And he tells him, remember, you know, that time we fed 5,000 people back just a few months ago? Oh, yeah. You know, it it was a great miracle. Then he asked them how many baskets were left over from that. And they said, 12, Master. They remember that because they counted. There are 12 baskets left over after doing all this miraculous stuff. You know, and so he said, his response is, right. And that was the end of the conversation. Show you the next picture. Uh, if we can, yeah. Now that's how it started. Twelve baskets, five thousand hungry people. It started with just two fish and five loaves of bread that were given by, by a young boy uh, to the disciples. Because there's something happening that Jesus is preaching again around the Sea of Galilee. He's already well known because of his teaching and as well as, as well as his miracles. And they're coming from everywhere, we're told, 5,000. That's a lot of people by the Sea of Galilee. 
and they stay all day long. Don't worry, I'm not going to stay. We're only, only going to be here till about 12 o'clock today, so don't worry about that. But they stayed all day long. What, tell us some more, Jesus. Teach us some more. Tell us more about God. And oh, yes, Lord, I need some miracles today. And he healed many, we're told, that day. And toward the end of the day, he realized, and he had compassion on them, we're told, that they had to be hungry. They didn't bring food. They were starving. So he had compassion. He said, we've got to feed these people. And the disciple says, how are we going to do that? None of us have anything. And so they gather everything up. And again, they come up with just two fish and five loaves of bread. And they give it. Let me show you the next picture. And here is kind of what maybe happened there. And uh, uh, Jesus, we're told, lifts the fish and the bread, blesses it. We don't know what he said. He says he blessed it as God would on this earth. And then he gave the baskets to the disciples who began passing them around. And I want you to imagine what's happening here. We certainly have Jesus doing this. And, th- and then they pass it around. And as it goes, uh, each one, the disciples included, take a, a little some of the fish and break it off and, and take some bread and break it off and then they pass it to the next person. They don't say, this is just for me. This, this is for all of us. I've got to share this with my neighbor, with the, that family next to my family, with those behind me I may not even know. I've got to pass it to them. And they keep breaking that bread and breaking that, that fish and passing it until 5,000 people are fed miraculously. I am convinced that even with Jesus there, even with his blessing the bread, even with the original gift, if it was not shared with those all around, they wouldn't say sometime later there were 12 baskets left over. It is a a great honor to experience God in this way, to know that he allows us to participate in the miracles he brings into our world that serves so many as he multiplies our gifts, the sharing of his gifts, moving forward to the point of, oh, Lord, 12 baskets left over. What an amazing moment. It's not just about believing in God. That's easy to do. It's about experiencing God. We're going to say, we see Jesus there blessing the bread. It's another to say, give me a piece and then break it and share it and see the miracle happen as I am part of what God is doing. And that is a quick picture of the church, of the Christian community, even of the kingdom of God that we are part of and why prison ministry happens, why people come to faith in Christ in a worship service, why all that happens happens in the life of this church and all churches here and around the world. It's an amazing story. The one thing, the vision to see the dream, living the vision. Now, I want to say this. In my own life, in my own journey, in my own experience, I have experienced personally, this is not talking about me and how wonderful I am and how much faith I have. No, it's what I've learned or what God has taught me when it comes to being a part of what God does. My wife and I remember very clearly our early days of marriage, and we moved to Springfield, Missouri to go to college there. We had next to nothing in those years. Uh, Fish sticks were often our meal, along with uh, instant potatoes. Couldn't afford the big potatoes. We had to go with instant potatoes. You know, occasionally we would have uh, maybe maybe, uh, uh, peas and things like that. That was part of our story. We just kind of scrape by, and in those years, we just, we just tithe. We always give 
We give 10% every month regularly. Uh, I know exactly what we got paid back then. I made about $200 a month from the cemetery I worked at and $400 a month from the GI Bill. And together, that paid our bills and got us by month by month in the years that I was in college. We tie from that, which would be around $60 a month, would go to our church. We always did that. What I'm saying, I'm telling you that because uh, that 12 baskets have been left over. We, we, talk, we talked about that the other day in the car, that, you know, God has given us 12 baskets that we never expected to be a part of in the life of the church and in our own personal life. In the miracle of these stories, these experiences, God at work in our life, and what it means to experience God in this way. Now, I want to tell you the story more, uh, more, in more detail about the young man who comes to Jesus. Now, this young man, we're told he's just young. We later on find out that he's relatively wealthy. Now, in that culture, different than today, uh, there were very few who were extremely wealthy. Everybody else was poor. Very different world than we have in today, so don't try to make a comparison between those two worlds. And so that was, and that would be well known by really how he dressed. People all around would know that about him. He'd be there, oh, there's the rich guy who showed up here at this time. He would come, and he wanted to talk to Jesus. And so he finds his way to Jesus to ask some questions. He wants to know, how can I receive eternal life? I, I've got everything else, but I don't have eternal life, I don't think. So how do I get eternal life? And so what does Jesus tell him? He tells him, okay, uh, keep the commandments. And he names a few. Not all of them. Uh, there are thousands of commandments. There are ten you might be, you might be able to, to say. He, has, he picks a few out. Just I think um, in some ways even arbitrarily picks a few. You know, he says, well, don't, don't steal. Don't kill. You know, don't covet. Uh, honor your mother and your father. And his response to that, the young man's response is, oh, I've, I've done all that. You know, uh, and I'm not sure what he expected, but I imagine he expected Jesus to say to the young, to this young guy, man, you are just got it together. I've never seen anyone quite as righteous and holy as you. Now around you, there's a bunch of sinners everywhere else, but you, you got it together. You know, yeah, I think he expected affirmation. Jesus said, hey, you've got it made in the shade. Heaven's coming for you. Don't worry about that. That's not what he got. The Bible says that he looked at the, Jesus looked at the young man and he, and he had compassion toward him too. He, we're told he, he loved him uh, in an agape sense of love. A deep godly love was poured out to him. And he had love for him. And his love for him really leads Jesus to say, I think, I'm going to tell you the truth because I know all about you. There is the one thing you lack. And Jesus always knows the one thing. When you encounter Christ in a personal way, you'll find out and know more clearly the one thing, if not more than one thing. There's one thing about you. He said, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And we're told the young man, here's how we know that Jesus knew exactly the point, the button to press. Because when, when he heard this, he walked away. And we're told he was grieved, very sad, for he had much he had much wealth. Now, we don't know what happened to him. We don't know if he came back later on. We know if he contemplated more seriously what was being told. We don't know if he, he grappled with it more. All we know is in this story, he walked away. And in that walking away, he walked away not from giving two fish and five loaves. He walked away from 12 baskets left over. 
Those 12 baskets mean many things in the kingdom of God. Not always financial wealth or material blessings, but he walked away from what God's vision for him, what God really wanted in his life because the first point today, the power in life is pursuing the vision that Jesus has for us. And Jesus knew this young man. He knew his potential, his possibilities, the place he could have in the kingdom. I think he's saying, to I can really bless you. There are so many things I have for you if you'll just let me give those things to you. Oh, and you can be used by the king, in the kingdom of God to bless and serve so many as I've already given you very much. Have a family who raised you well. They taught you the law and what religious life should look like. They, they gave you faith. Uh, they made you who you are. Helped you become materially wealthy. Probably was an inheritance. It typically was the case back in those days. He had all that in his life. And he says, and, and look what you can do, what you can be, what, the impact that you can make. Jesus saw all that in this young man's heart. And all the young man could see everything. Everything? You know, well, everything does belong to God, doesn't it? No matter what we do with it, it always belongs to God. We do. All we have does. Everything always will be God's in our life and our experience. So we start with that place as we have that encounter with Jesus and what he tells us, how we respond to that. Because this, is, this is not about you and the church or me and the church. It's not about you and me. It's not about you, me, you and me and, and the right uh, and the one thing campaign. It's not about, it's about you and Jesus and me and Jesus. It's always about that. That's where the power of God is realized. It's about that moment that I say, Jesus, where am I and where should I be? And how do I make that connection? It's about that conversation that you and I have with Jesus Christ. And we say, Lord, what must I do to inherit everlasting life? What must I do to be a real follower of you? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to, to be used by you in the world that I live in? What must, what must I do to be able to experience 12 God-blessed baskets left over? What an amazing story of faith. Second point about the young man is this. The power of life is giving that life away, not attempting to hoard that life. Which we're all attempted to do. Because we, we think sometime, and even if we try not to, we think this, that my security is in what I have set aside. And I have money reserved for retirement, set aside. I put money faithfully in every month. These are good, wise things. I'm not talking about that. But my security, though, is not in the numbers in my retirement account. That's not where my security is. They're not in the numbers uh, that I have uh, in, my, in my life and the stuff that I own. They're not in the equity I have in my home. They're, they're not in those things. They're not in the report my doctor gives me that this is okay or it's not. It's not in that. Our security is always going to be in the God who loves us that we belong to, we've given our life to. And what Jesus is telling the young man, you've not given your life to God yet. You just think you have by keeping a few laws following a few rules, living a way you think you're supposed to live, but you miss what it is to walk with God, experience God, know God loves you and love God in return, and how you move in that direction in a way that brings the miracle of God into your life. It's like a seed that is planted. 
And the mirror, the, God puts in the seed an amazing miracle that only God knows what's in that, how much fruit will come from it. But he says, you've got to plant the seed, and I'll make it grow. Corinthians tells us that. That's our task to do. And he's telling him, basically, when he says, giving that life away, not to hoard it, he's saying, I'm just telling you the truth. This is the truth. You may not like it, but it is the truth. He goes on to say in other passages that if you want to save your life, you have to give it away. If you want to uh, lose your life, then you try to keep it. That that's how we understand. And Jesus, Jesus is saying, this is the truth. I'm just telling the truth. You do what you want with it, but it's the truth. If you're living in another way, saying you're living something that's not true, that will not prove itself, there'll be no baskets left over. And again, the baskets mean more than just financial blessings. It means many things in our life, what lives become, who we become, how we experience relationships, how we experience where we live in, how we experience every season of life, how we experience life, death, and everlasting life, as he so much wants to receive that everlasting life. How we live in that way. I'm telling you the truth. You do what you want with the truth, but that's what he's telling him. Well, thirdly, the power in life is a faith and courage necessary to begin. I think for the young man, it was a striking moment. Around his world, wherever he went, he was probably looked to as, I wish I was him. He keeps the law, he follows the rituals. He's very religious. He keeps the rules. He keeps the laws. He does everything he's supposed to do, and he's wealthy, and he's blessed. You know, back in that day, they had a very, a very uh, strong undercurrent of a teaching that was this. If I am healthy, wealthy, and wise, it's because God has blessed me because I'm righteous. That was a recurring theme throughout Israel for anyone related to Judaism at all. If I am blessed in my life, as this young man has been, it's because I am righteous, and my parents were righteous, and my grandparents were righteous. If I am poor and have nothing, it's because either I or they were sinners. And so Jesus breaks every rule of teaching when he tells him, one thing you lack is not about sin and righteousness. It's about faith in me and trusting me and believing in me, trusting in God, giving your life to God, living this unique way I'm offering you. And that's the challenge that he gives in this place where it's the faith and courage necessary to begin. Now, I hope, and we probably all hope, the young man walked away and began to really think about what Jesus is really telling. What is he saying to me? Can I hear that? Or he might have said, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing the one thing if what I've already done is not enough. If who I am is already not enough. If keeping the law is not enough. Not about keeping the law. It's not about what he's done. It's about who we walk with. The God we experience. The Christ that stands by our side. The journey we walk with God together in to receive and be blessed by. It's not about keeping commandments. It's about walking with God in faith, living in the life and power of the Spirit, trusting in God's faithfulness, the amazing miracle that he offers us. So we have a picture that I showed you near the beginning of this message. I want you to go back there with me in your heart and mind. Twelve baskets 
left over. And when they had their initial giving of the two, two fish and the, and the five loaves, uh, they had no idea what was going to happen. They said to Jesus, we can't feed all these people with this. And Jesus said, yes, you can. And he blessed it, and they spread it, and the miracle happened. And some months later, he asked them how many baskets were left over. My wife and I had that, my wife and I had that conversation in the car a while back. How many baskets have been left over in our life? So when I talk about tithing, I'm not talking about saying, hey, look how smart or wiser I am. No, it's not, it's not that at all. It's more in those experiences with God, we have been blessed in so many ways, we cannot name those. So I, I can only be faithful by offering the same blessings to you. As I would to say, you should pray more than you do. I should pray more than I do. You should open that Bible up and read that book. You should come to church and worship God and experience God in the way that he wants to be experienced in a moment of worship in a church service, whichever service you choose to attend. You should serve the world that you live in. There's lots of ways to serve. You should love your family. We could go on with that list. And you should give. In that generous moment of giving, you experience God in a way you will and no other in that consistent week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, say, look how God has worked in my life, in my church, world I live in. There are 12 baskets left over. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the words that you've given us. This young man amazes us, Lord, and we can only hope to be as righteous as he is, keeping the commandments and walking in, in the way that he did. But Lord, there was the one thing. God, tell us what the one thing is for us. Have the courage to begin to address that one thing. For many, God, it might be our financial giving to the church. That might be it for us. Our praying, God, and talking about making a commitment with our family or just to, just to you uh, in this campaign. Or how we might choose to give or increase the giving. Or beginning to give at all. Or others, it might be something else. It's the one thing for us. Something that we should just stop doing. Others, what we should begin to do. Might be an act of forgiveness. An act of service. Receiving forgiveness. I mean, God, committing ourselves, Lord, to the church more than we have in the past. But God, only know what it is. For, Lord, we know it's not about, it's about us and each other. It's about us and Jesus. So speak to us about the one thing we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.